Well, what is up, Emmanuel? How are you feeling today, church? I am genuinely excited to be here. This kind of thrills me. I get very nervous. Some of you might not think that, but my hands get very cold, and sometimes I think I'm going to get up here and forget everything that I plan to say. Ever happened to you? Okay, maybe not. Uh, happens to me all the time. Hey, if you're a guest with us here today, we want to welcome you to our home. Thank you for accepting someone's invitation to come. Hopefully your experience thus far has been a good one. If you're watching live online from wherever you are, maybe you're in a car, a different state, maybe you're in a different country, we welcome you. Thanks for tuning in. In fact, can we give our online audience a little love right now? Love you guys. We are in a series right now called You Asked For. Before I jump into week number three of this series, I want to give you a quick little update. If you're new here to our church, maybe first-time guests, maybe a couple weeks, we are a multi-site church, and all that simply means is that we have one church with multiple locations. So we have one here in Greenwood, Indiana. We also have one in the Perry Meridian area called the Banta Campus. And we also have a campus in the Franklin, the old Franklin High School, which is now the Franklin Middle School that's meeting there every single week. In fact, they're, meet, they're having services right now. And so that's kind of the idea that, that God's going to advance his kingdom through this multi-site strategy for now. That's what he's doing through our church. And so right now we're in the process of building a permanent site for our third campus, the Franklin campus, which is currently meeting in a school. So they set up on Saturday nights, they have their services on Sunday, and then they tear down and through the week they do not have a place to meet or do any type of ministry. And so we're in the process of building a permanent site for the Franklin campus. Here's a picture of what it looks like or what it will look like. We've got 14 acres in Franklin kind of picked out. We've got people ready to go. And, and it turns out we met with our elders this weekend on Saturday, yesterday, and we uh, we're going to close on the property, hopefully next week. It's looking like next week we'll close on the 14 acres. And then within 60 days or so, after all the permitting is done, we will start moving dirt. Is that not exciting? So those of you who, have, who are and continue to give financially to our multi-site strategy, thank you. We would not be able to do it without your financial support. And if you haven't, if you haven't jumped in to support that financially, you can do so through our app. Uh, and it's a, There's a little tab there in our church app that says Franklin Campus or Multi-Site Campus. So uh, that being said, uh, let's jump into our series today. You asked for it. We've been tackling questions that, that you simply said, hey, I'd like to hear a sermon about how to reduce the stress in my life, or I'd like to hear a talk on how to hear God's voice. We talked about that last week. Hopefully you were here for that. If you'd like to hear God's voice, go back. If you missed last week and watch that, I gave you four practical ways that you can hear God's voice. In fact, those of you who are here, did it help this week? Did you hear God a little clearer? Did you carve out some time to, to spend time? You can't hear his voice if you don't sleep slow down, right? Hurry is the great em enemy of the spiritual life. And so hopefully you got in the word this week and you carved out some time to hear from God's voice. Anybody do that? Yes? Awesome. Okay. Some of you did. That's great. Hopefully God is speaking to you. Or you can stay up really, really late and eat lots of pizza and chili dogs and maybe God will speak to you after that <laughs> the next day. I don't know. No. Anyway, that was dumb, stupid. Sorry. Um, today, what do you want to talk about today? That's a great, great question. What is our topic today? What do we want to dive into today? I don't know. What are we talking about today? What do you think? How to deal with difficult people. Maybe you brought that person with you today, okay? <laughs> this is going to be a juicy topic. I'm going to give you some really helpful stuff. How do we deal with difficult people? You know, difficult people in your notes, if you're a note taker, they're everywhere, 
they're in church. They are. They got if, if there's people in church, you've got some difficult people in church. They're in grocery stores. They're, in, they're, they're the place where you go to work. You've got difficult co-workers, difficult employers, bosses. Anyone have one of those? Sometimes I'm a difficult person to work for. Um, difficult employees. Some of you are, are bosses and you have people working for you. Difficult people are everywhere. In fact, before we go any further, can we just have an honest moment and say that you might be a difficult person? Yes? Anyone? Yeah, so let's own that. So let's not be thinking about the other person only as I work through this talk. Let's be thinking about ourselves. I'm willing to be honest enough to say, yes, there are times where I am the difficult person. And so I want to dive into this. Before we get into the answer of how do we deal with difficult people, let's talk about some different types of difficult people. This is kind of fun, okay? There's, first, there's the complainer, right? There's the complainer. Anybody have these people in your life? Are you one of these people? They're always looking at the, the glass as half empty, and as they always look at the downside, and they're never, never excited or positive about anything. They're just always complaining. Then there's the controller. Oh, these people are frustrating. These are the micromanagers. These are the people who has to be their way or the highway, right? These people, so they, 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 they never compromise. They're so frustrating to be around, right? They're, they always have something to say about someone. They're always trying to control. They're manipulators. They can manipulate uh, situations to kind of get their own way. Then there's the competitors, right? These are the people where, oh, everything's a game, and, and, and they have to win. And it's just so frustrating. Why can't you just have some fun and just relax? But no, a wiffle ball game turns into a competition, right? It's like unbelievable. I fall into this category sometimes. I'm a work in progress, but I want to turn everything into a game, and then I want to beat you. So it's not always fun to be around me. It's just I'm willing to admit that. And then there's the, there's the insecures, and, and, and I made this word up, so all the grammar police, you guys can relax. I'm just gonna, it's not a word, but I like it. The insecures are the people that they just don't, they don't know their value. And in fact, they, they probably think they're va- they, they don't have any value. And so the insecures are always worried about what other people are thinking and other people's opinions and what so-and-so going to think. And the insecures are, are trying to like maybe stockpile material possessions so that someone might think that they have value. Or the insecures are really focused on their body body and how they look because maybe someone will think they're attractive and then they draw value from that. And so the insecures are very difficult people to be around. They're, a lot of times the insecures are chameleons. They will change their character depending on who they're with. Anybody know anybody like that? Why do they do that? Because they're insecure in their own identity. They don't know who they are. Then there's the haters. The haters are very difficult to be around. These are just the mean people, okay? <laughs> I didn't think, you know, as, when I was younger, I didn't think there were many people like this, but they're everywhere. You get on social media, and it's just, it's just the haters. You just read this stuff. You're like, holy cow, how could someone have that much hate in their heart, right? And, and it's not just mean people. It's, it gets even darker than that. It's like people who are racist and, and people who act, don't like people because of their gender or because of their... It's just like, what? That's incredible to me. And I think of the energy that it takes to be a hater. It's so exhausting. It's exhausting listening to what haters have to say. And it's really hard to deal with a hater, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah? Because what you want to do is you want to you hate on them. But then that would make you what? One of them, right? It's like, you ever see that bumper sticker that says mean people? No, you never seen that one? <laughs> Apparently you haven't. Mean people, I can't say it. You can say it, I can't say it. No, no, I'm just saying, mean people suck. I can say it, but it's just, 
you look at that bumper sticker and it's accurate, it's accurate, and it's, it's, but, but it's mean. So by, by saying that, you become one of them. And so, you know, we can't, we have to got to maybe take a different approach. Maybe something Jesus said, like, love your enemies and pray for them. That might be a good plan. But uh, so there's the haters. Then there's the self-importance. Oh, these are the people where it's always about them and their life. Like there's six and a half, seven billion people on the planet. And, and these are the people that are consumed with me, myself, and I in every single situation, every single day. It's always about what's going on in their life, right? It's really difficult to be around these. They're egoists, they're narcissists, they're prideful, these, these types. No, but I know there's no one in the room like that today at all, whatsoever. No self-importance. And I know the grammar police are out again. That's not a word. Okay, I made it up. I know. And then the last one is the real, these, these people are really difficult to be around. These are the victims, Man, these people drive me nuts. They take no ownership of their life. It's like, oh, they're always blame shifting and saying it's not my fault and I didn't follow through because of him or her or she and you're not going to believe what they did to me. And it's, um, they're always in that seat of, see, I can't really do anything about it because I'm a victim. These are very difficult people to be around. Now, I know there's, there's more categories than this and I just don't have any more room on my screen. So <laughs> I kind of gave up. But there's also the messy people. You know what I'm talking about? The messy people, not like dirty people, but just messy people in the sense they have no self-discipline so they can't, they're, they're later in their bills or their house is a mess or, you know, their relationships are, you know, all the disaster because there's no self-discipline in their life. And, and that those, are, those are difficult people to, to be around as well, difficult people. Before we get into how to deal with these folks, let me just mention the fact that everyone has these people in their life. There's no way to avoid them. Even King David had a guy named Shimei. If you're a Bible reader, 2 Samuel chapter 16, great story. David gets kicked, out, kicked off the throne of Israel by his son. What was his son's name? All the Bible readers. Oh, he needs more Bible readers. <laughs> Absalom, right? So Absalom kicks his dad off of the throne, chases him out of town as King David is leaving town, literally overthrown by his own son. Absalom's leaving, in the, uh, David's leaving in the caravan. This guy named Shimei, who's a descendant of King Saul, who was the king before David, starts to, well, I'll just read it to you. He threw stones at the king and the king's officers and all the mighty warriors who surrounded him. Get out of here, you murderer, you scoundrel. Don't you love it? And these are fighting words. He shouted at David. Listen to what he says. The Lord is paying you back for all the bloodshed in Saul's clan. You stole his throne, and now the Lord has given it to your son Absalom, which is not true. If you're a Bible reader, you know the story. David honored Saul. David could have killed Saul several times, and he didn't do it. He said, how can I touch the Lord's anointed, right? But this dude's just mad, right? He's a descendant of Saul. His, his, you know, anyway, so he continues, and he says this. At last you will taste some of your own medicine, for you are a murderer. Shimei. You have any Shimei's in your life? Difficult people throwing rocks at you? calling you names, being difficult, right? Watch, watch how David's, one of David's guys, Abishai, responds to this. I love it. Abishai says this. He says, why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over there and cut off his head. Don't you love the Bible? <laughs> now, now today, you know, the action step is not going to be Take that difficult person and cut their head off. Even though the Bible said <laughs> this is not descript, this is not prescriptive, this is descripted, okay? We're not going to tell you what to do here in this text. Actually, we will, but it'll be at the end of the service. But this guy wants to cut off Shimei's head. You ever feel that way with the difficult person in your life? Arr! 
You know, I heard somebody say this one time. They said, I asked the Lord for patience to deal with difficult people. I asked the Lord for courage to be, you know, to deal with their, their ignorance because the Lord knows if I asked for strength, I'd beat them to death, you know, so. <laughs> you feel that way sometimes. But of course, we can't take that path because Jesus said some, some, some things to say about that, you know, like love and all that, all that good stuff. So, What's a different angle? How do we deal with all these different types of difficult people? And I know what I'm going to say today is not conclusive and it's not the whole story, but I believe I'm going to give you four principles that will really, really help. Let's dive into this. Number one, we've got to deal gently with difficult people. We have to respond gently. Anytime I'm aggressive with difficult people, it always makes it worse. Have you seen this? Like they do something and then I get angry or upset and I come back with some aggression and does it ever go well that way? Does it ever get better? Does it ever help the situation? No, it doesn't. I remember when I first started at the church here uh, like 12 years ago or so. It's amazing. As a senior pastor, uh, I was taking over for Pastor Jim Devaney, the founding pastor. And things, if you were around at that time, things didn't go so well. And I remember there was one particular person in the church that I knew uh, personally, and he decided that he didn't like what was going on in the church and he didn't like my leadership. So he took it upon himself to, to write a letter. And the letter was simply, you know, the, I don't know, the 10 reasons or the 15 reasons why Emmanuel is going bad and why he's leaving. And then he proceeded to go through the Rolodex of our church and just pick out addresses. Kid you not, this is, this is like, this is like how churches, sometimes this is how it goes in churches. He picked out all these addresses. He sent the letter to all of these people in the church, which I thought was delightful, you know. That's how you leave a church, right? You tell everybody, here's the reasons why I'm leaving, and then you send it out to everybody, right? So I was just livid. I was about 28 years old, and I was still having, you know, anger issues. <laughs> and so, you know what I did? I just, I, just called, I just went to the meeting. I just went, I was so mad, and I got everybody in a room, and if this guy, guy would have showed up at the meeting, I would have cut his head off. No, I wouldn't have <laughs> wanted to. But I was, I was there, and, and, and hey, hey if, if you were in that meeting, I apologize. That was like 12 years ago. Sorry if you were in that meeting. But I was so mad. I started going, burr, 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 that's not how you do it. Burr, 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 burr. That's not Christ-like. That's not how you leave a church. Burr, burr, burr. I was so angry. You know, and there's so, one, one guy actually said, hey, you need, to, you need to calm down. You know, this older, wiser gentleman. And I was just like, no, you don't understand. It was wrong. You don't write letters to people in the church. And, you know, I was all, had like righteous indignation. You know what I mean? Like, and I was all wrong. And everything I said in that meeting didn't make it better. It actually made it worse. Listen to what the Bible says. And I've come to embrace this truth in my life deeply. Still working it out. A gentle answer deflects anger. A gentle answer, a gentle response to a difficult person calms everything down. But harsh words, accusatory words, words that stab make tempers flare. They stir the pot. And you know what I did that day? I just stirred the pot. Nobody left the meeting that night thinking, oh my gosh, you know, he's so right. I love Emmanuel. I'm in. <laughs> they had to be thinking, this dude's lost his mind. Where's the quickest exit? I'm out of here. They had to be thinking that. So be gentle, right? Be ge because gentleness deflects anger. Some of you think, well, I can't be gentle. 
It's impossible. This, this person is an impossible person. I, I know, I know. So how do we get there? How do we get to gentleness? Well, gentleness really finds its root. This is important. Gentleness finds its root or its source in compassion. Gentleness finds its root in compassion. And compassion is developed as we empathize with the difficult person. What does it mean to empathize? It means to sit in that person's place instead of putting them in their place. That's what John Maxwell said. I need to sit in this person. What is it like to be this person? What is it like to go through or, or to have gone through what they have gone through? To not have the father, to, to have a mother who was an alcoholic, to, to lose a dad at the age of 12. To, to, what is it like to be this person and go through the pain that they've been through And then what happens is I begin to become compassionate for them. I have understanding, and now maybe I can connect the dots of, well, that's why they're a manipulator, or that's why they're a blame shifter, or that's why they play the victim role, or that's why they're always a control freak in the situation, because look at what they've been through. See, you know you've truly empathized with someone when you can say, you know what, if I would have gone through that situation that they went through, I would probably act the same way. And until you can get there, you haven't truly empathized. And until you've empathized, you cannot have compassion. And if there's no compassion for the difficult person, there will be no gentleness. Are you with me? Yes or no? Gentleness is rooted in compassion, and compassion is developed when we sit in the other person's seat and feel what it's like to be them. So number one, respond gently. Number two, lower expectations. Man, this has helped me so much. Isn't it true that you're you're upset with that person because you thought they would tell the truth? You thought they would follow through. You thought they would keep their word. You thought, you thought, you thought, right? Yes? And they didn't, and now you're like, oh, so difficult. You know, that person's a liar. That person's a cheater. That person's a whatever, right? You're so upset because you had these expectations of this person, and they didn't meet your expectations. What would happen if you just lowered the bar? For me, I just tell you, for me, I'm just not that upset anymore. Listen to what Paul said in a little letter called Philippians. He slips this little verse in there. It's not even really the main point. Chapter 2, verse 21, for everyone, all 7 billion of us walk in this planet. Everyone looks out for God's interests, (laughs) their neighbor's interests. Yes, is that what it says? No. Everyone looks out for, say it with me their own interest. What's good for me in this situation right now, today? What do I got going on? How is this going to benefit me or bless me? That's just the human way. It's just how it goes. And people are not thinking about the interests of Jesus Christ or their neighbor. It's not natural to do that. It's natural to think about me, myself, and say with me, I. So that's, that's just the way it is. Apart from the grace of God, apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ, transforming someone's life so that they love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, and they love their neighbor as themselves, apart from that happening, someone is going to look out for their own interests. And these are the people you bump into at the grocery store and at the coffee shop and inside your home. Hello. <laughs> They're sitting next to you right now. They're interested in their own stuff. So stop being so disappointed. It's the way it goes. So when some difficult person comes in your life and they do something that totally, you know, doesn't meet your expectations, here's what, here's what you have to learn to say to yourself. And maybe this is just a mental thing. And if, it's, if that's all it is, hey, it helps. Yeah, so I thought you'd do. Because that's what people do. That's okay. 
We need Christ. I need Christ. You need Christ. If you're ever going to become the type of person who thinks of others before yourself. Lower the expectations and you won't be so disappointed. Yes? Am I crazy? I might be crazy. You you can check this stuff out and prove me wrong. I'm just saying this is helping me. It's really helping me. Let's look at number three. We got to set some limits and boundaries. This has helped me so much in my life. What's a boundary? A boundary is a property line, okay? That's all it is. If you can think in the material world, think about two houses next to each other. This is my house. It's got the property line with a nice picket fence here. This is your house with the ugly brown fence. <laughs> Which is funny because I have an ugly brown fence around my house. And I love this example because the property line or the boundary is very clear in the material world. Does that make sense? This is my area. This is your area. My property line says this is I own this property. I'm in control of this property and I'm responsible for this property. This is yours. You own it. You control it and you're responsible for it. Then a big storm takes place and this tree in your neighbor's yard, well, they really haven't trimmed it or taken care of it. The storm hits and watch what happens. Oh, isn't that sad? And you look over and you say, oh, the neighbor's tree fell. That's so sad. That's going to be like a thousand bucks, right? And then you realize it's in your yard. And you're like, oh, it's in my yard. And it's not my stuff. It's his stuff. So you call him up, say, hey, Joe. I don't know why I brought up Joe. Your tree is in my yard. Oh, what does Joe say if Joe's like a healthy, normal human being? What does Joe say? Oh, my stuff's in your yard. You know what I do? I'm going to call the tree guy, and, you know, we'll have a guy out Monday. We're going to take care of that. In fact, I might come over right now and start making some trims with my chainsaw and my clippers or whatever. I don't have a chainsaw, so I'd be out there with this thing. You know what I mean? (laughs) I mean, who has a chainsaw? You know, pastors don't have chainsaws. Maybe some of them. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. And so Joe comes over, and man, he, one, two, three, by Wednesday, the whole thing's taken care of because he is a healthy human being. He knows that his stuff got in your yard, and, he, and you don't own it. That's his junk. So now let's apply this to relationships. This is so good. I learned this from Dr. Henry Cloud in his book called Boundaries. Fantastic book. If you haven't read it, you want to check that out. Dr. Cloud says basically when it comes to relationships, because people don't have property lines, clearly defined, like this is my life, I own it, I'm responsible for it, I'm in control of it. Because they don't have boundaries in their life, guess what happens? Their friend's junk or their family's junk ends up crossing the boundary line into their life. Anger, outbursts, financial problems, irresponsibility, you know, addictions, you know, all, you know, can't hold down a job. All their junk ends up in your life. And, you're, and, and, you're, and because you don't have boundaries, this is how important boundaries are. Because you don't have boundaries, what do you say? that's okay. I'll take care of you. Right? It's no problem. I will allow your junk to be on my property. Don't worry about it. Huge mistake. Huge mistake. Listen to Proverbs 19 verse 19. If you're wondering, is this in the Bible? Watch this. A hot-tempered person must pay the penalty. They must be confronted. The the person who is stealing, the person who is lying, the person who is irresponsible, the person who is having anger outbursts, they must be confronted. If you don't confront it and you rescue them, it's no problem. Don't worry about it. If you rescue them, if you rescue your adult child, 
<laughs> in fact, the reason he's an adult child is because you have rescued him through the teenage years, right? But that's a whole nother sermon for another day. You with me? All right, just checking. If you, if you rescue them, what's going to happen? You will have to do it, say it with me, again. Some of you for the first time in your life may be hearing this. You're like, that's why that person never changes. Because every time their junk ends up in my space, I don't do anything about it. Here's what I do. I just say, no problem. Your tree can stay in my yard. And when the termites start eating it and when everything starts rotting and all kinds of stuff, mosquitoes, no worry about it. And then what we do, and this is craziness, this is crazy talking, okay, listen. We say, but I love them. Are you crazy? You want to know the most loving thing you can do for a child, teenager, friend, coworker, is to say, get your junk out of my life. It doesn't belong to me. Now, once you own it, once you take responsibility for your temper or whatever problems you're having, once you own it, now I will help you in Jesus' name to fix that, but I'm not going to help you until you own it. It's not my stuff. Yes or no? This is hard stuff. This is how you deal effectively with people whose stuff keeps getting on you. Some of you are walking around and on you is all other people's junk. And then here's what you do. Why? You complain about it. Oh, I got this, son. I can't get him out of the basement. <laughs> can't hold down a job. You're complaining about it because he's not, the, listen, he's not the problem. You are. See, you're, some of you are never going to come back to church because you don't like me right now. <laughs> I got to tell you the truth, okay, folks? You got to let a deal, you got to deal with that stuff. So, we got to set some limits and some boundaries. If you don't, you're going to have to do it again and again and again with that person. Let me, see, let me give you this last one. You have to see God in the situation. You have to see God in this difficult person. Perhaps this principle has helped me more than any of the other three that I have shared with you thus far. When I was a young pastor, I, I couldn't see this. Couldn't see this. Couldn't see God in the situation. But I've come to realize that God is working in and through the difficult person. Listen to what Jesus said. I love it. My father is, say it with me, always working. Does he ever stop? He's always working. And guess who's always working? Jesus. He said, so am I. So what that means, practically speaking, is he's working in all these different situations. Let me take a, let me pause here for, for real quick. Let's, let's, let's deal with, let's step outside of difficult people for a moment. Let's just talk about difficult circumstances. Is God working in those? Is he working all things together for the good of those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28, yes or no? Okay, should you chill out then? Yes, you should, right? So, so this is huge. God is always at work. So now let's step back into the difficult people situation. Is he at work, yes or no? God is working through this difficult person to do something. I remember years ago, I, I picked up a book called Let Go by Francis Fenelon, old dead guy. They're always really good books. <laughs> listen, listen to what he says. This changed my life, this changed my life. It just might change your life, okay? Been reading this book for 12 years. It's just a little book, like 100 pages. Listen, he says, people tend to be quite fickle. They love us and leave us. They go and they come. They shift from one position to another like a kite in the wind, like a feather in the breeze. Let them do as they will. Just be sure that you see only God in them. Watch this. They could do nothing to you without his permission. 
So in the end, it is he who tests or blesses us using them as we have need. Changed my life. Here's what God said to me. Hopefully he's saying the same thing to you. Danny, I brought this person into your life not to frustrate you, but I brought him into your life because you need to be transformed. See, there's this thing called patience that's not quite developed in your life, and this person's going to help you become patient. Well, I don't like that, Lord. Isn't there another way? You have these talks with God? It's like, well, you know? Well, Dan, Danny, you don't really know how to forgive. You don't really understand the, full, the fullness of what it means to forgive another human being. That's why I brought him into your life. Man, is that the way you work? Yeah. It's like a dentist. You know, you know you've been to the dentist and they're just getting at you and you maybe you just, they got to dig deep and it hurts. But they got to do it. God's saying, I got to get down deep into your care. You have some character issues and this person is going to open that up so that I can transform you in the depths of your, of your heart. What an epiphany for me to suddenly realize that the difficult people that come into my life are for me because I have a need in my character development. Wow. So back to our story with David. Remember Abishai? Let me go cut his head off. Remember that? Listen to how David responds. I love it. No, the king says, who asked you your opinion, you sons of Zerai? If the Lord has told him, talking about Shimei, okay, I know these words sound, the names sound alike. If the Lord has told Shimei to curse me, who are you to stop him? Listen, he continues. David then said to, his, uh, David then said to Abishai and all of his officials, my son, my own flesh and blood is trying to kill me. And he closes with this. Leave Shimei alone. Let him curse for the, say it with me, for the Lord has told him to do so. Wow. You see what David did there? He just simply saw God in the situation. Shimei's throwing rocks. You murderer, you scoundrel, get out of here. You're finally getting a taste of your own medicine, David says. That's the Lord. Wow. How would that change how you deal with difficult people in your life? For me, I'll just tell you for me, changed the whole game for me. When I see a difficult person in my life, I say, that's the Lord. And the Lord's going to use that person as I have need. God, what are you going to teach me? What do you want to change in me? Wow. Isn't this good stuff, guys? This is life-changing. Let me wrap up with a couple of thoughts, and then we'll get you out of here. Ready? What we've said so far is that you need to see God in this deal. You need to set some boundaries. You need to lower your expectations, and you need to respond gently. But let me remind you one more thought. The way that you deal with difficult people in your life is either making the gospel credible, it's adding credibility to it, or it's discrediting the gospel. So I'm in a restaurant, the service is bad, the waiter is upset, the waiter is rude, whatever's going on, how do I respond? My response to the difficult waiter is going to either validate the message of the gospel or invalidate the message of the gospel. Yes or no? And you better believe that people are watching to see if you're kind and patient. And if you're kind and patient, even with a difficult person, someone's going to say, how did you do that? How did you pull that off? Like, I would have just been mad and angry. I would have demanded my, you know, a free dinner. Award. I would have lit into that person, right? But that's not the kingdom. 
that's not how Christ would respond. So the way that I respond to difficult people is telling a story. The way that you respond to difficult people is telling a story about the gospel, whether it works or whether it doesn't. What are people hearing through the way you deal with difficult people? Are they seeing a better life, a better way? Are they being invited into the kingdom of God by your response to difficult people or are they being pushed away? Seeing that, see, that's why I don't go to church. Look at that guy. He goes to Emmanuel, she goes to Emmanuel. He's being so arrogant and so rude with the E shirt on, you know? One day we're gonna do a series called Branding. It's gonna be like, if you wear this shirt, you better know what it stands for, baby. That was just an aside. A lot of things going through my head. Is your response to difficult people validating the message of the gospel or invalidating it? Oh, there's a bigger story going on, isn't there? The bigger story is Jesus Christ came to this earth to offer people eternal life and abundant life. And there's some, in fact, there's some of you here today, you, you, you've been maybe listening in, maybe watching online and you're interested in that and you want to know more about that and you haven't taken that step yet. Can I just tell you that I think you should. It's my personal opinion. I think that you should put your trust in Christ. I think that you should step into a relationship with God through faith. And here's why I I'm, I'm of that opinion. Because I believe it's the best life on planet Earth. It's a life filled with more peace and more joy. It's a life where you have the ability to forgive those who've hurt you. It's a life free from anger or worry. You can let go of pride. You, you find out who your, what your real value is. Insecurity goes away as you go down this journey of God. It's not just about going to heaven when you die. It's actually finding real life right now. Yes, because Christ died on the cross, we can be forgiven of our sins and spend eternity with him, and that's part of the deal. But the offer right now is to come to Jesus and experience true life, a quality of life that is different from anything else that's available today in this world. Money can't give it to you. Accumulating stuff and more things can't give it to you. Being a beautiful person, attractive person, it can't do it. All that stuff fades away, right? Jesus offers us real, true life. If you would like to come and put your faith in Christ today, I'm gonna lead you in a simple prayer. It's a prayer of faith. And you're just saying to Jesus, yes, I, I come. I, I believe you are the Messiah. I believe you're the Lord. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I'm gonna put my trust in you. Will you wash me of my sin? Cleanse me. I'm stepping into a relationship with you by faith. If you'd like to do that, whether you're watching online right now in your home or if you're currently driving, maybe you pull over, it'd be safer. Um, if right here, if, you, if you're here live with us in the room, would you bow your head and close your eyes and pray this simple prayer if you feel led? Jesus, I come. Imperfect broken in so many ways but I come I have a little bit of faith thank you that that's all it takes I accept your offer of life I place my trust in you I give my life over to you I put my confidence in you for life, that you know what's best in every area. I will follow you. Wash me of my sin. 
remove the guilt and the shame. Thank you for your sacrifice on the cross and for rising again the third day, making life available to me. Make me your child today by faith. And from this day forward, may my life bring credibility to that message. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Can we give God glory today for what he's done? This morning, first thing I did when I got up after I got my coffee is I went to this book, 1 Corinthians 13. Anybody else? That was the one-year reading this morning. And I read about love and what it is, and it's patient, it's kind, it's gentle, and it doesn't hold a record of wrongs, and it's not prideful, it's not rude, and it never ends, and it always hopes. I read that this morning, as I do every single day. And you know what I heard? You know what happened in my heart? I was just, I was just a little bit more encouraged to love the people in my life, just reminded of what I need to do for people, how I need to help them, how I need to serve them. That's the power of this book. I encourage people to get in it every single day. And if you prayed to receive Christ today, it's, it's your spiritual food. It really is. It's your spiritual meal. It's your spiritual breakfast and lunch and dinner. And so that's why we give these out totally free of charge to you if you prayed to receive Christ today. If you put your faith in Christ today. If you're watching online and you did that, you can just click the little button there that says, I accepted Christ as my Savior. And we will send one of these to you in the mail. If you're here live, there's tables back here to my left and to my right. We're absolutely passionate about you getting one of these. It, there's nothing special about it other than it's broken down into little five-minute readings so you can just get a, you're not overwhelmed with the scriptures. So if you prayed to receive Christ today, be sure to go get one of those. One more time, can we give God glory for what he's done? So my challenge today for you is to leave this place. I, I'm almost certain perhaps today you will be, uh, you will interact with a difficult person. Yes? So you have a chance to respond gently, lower your expectations, maybe create a boundary or enforce a boundary line, and see God in this person. And you watch what happens. What I love about church is you can go test this stuff out, can't you? It's like, so just run a little experiment this week. Run the experiment, keep running the one from last week too about hearing God's voice, right? And the one before that about living without stress. Go test this stuff out. Look, if it didn't work, don't come back. Can you believe a preacher just said that? Like, if what I'm telling you doesn't work, like, sleep in. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Enjoy your Sunday. But here's the thing. What you're going to find as you put this into practice is that it leads you to true life. Life the way God intended it to be. If you put it into practice. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for opening up the kingdom. You, you, your message was simple. Repent, turn, and, and, and walk into the kingdom. This, this different kind of a life, this different quality of life. We love it. We embrace it. We live in it. We seek it. Help us to live in it even more each and every day as your disciples. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Love you. See you next week. Bring a friend.